Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and I'm glad you joined me today. Today is going to be a different type of episode. If you listen to the previous episode, I said that we are going to get to some of this listener feedback that's been building up. It built up a lot while I was out of the loop doing some army stuff, and now I'm going to get to it. So, I hope that when you hear listener feedback, you don't think, oh, he's just going to start rambling about stuff, and it's just going to be hit and miss and all over the place, and I don't... I, I hope that through the listener feedback that we hit on some things that maybe you care about. Because this is really just, the listener feedback is a platform to discuss different parts of this subject. We're going to try to keep it pretty focused on Scottish clans. So you're tuning in to hear things about Scottish clans. And we'll try to keep it relevant and hopefully interesting to you. Because... I just got to hand it to you, the listeners. You all come up with some pretty cool questions and comments, and there's some things I'm going to share with you today that I'm excited to get to. There's some things that you all have commented on previous episodes. Here's the deal. I, I've never claimed to be omniscient on this subject. I do think I think about it and research more than an average person and have learned a few things in doing so. But I don't have a monopoly on this. And some of you, when we get into some of these episodes, you have happened to dive into that one specific thing a lot deeper than I have. And and some of you are making comments back on what we're talking about. And it's very productive feedback. So I'm grateful for it. And my role, the way I see it here, is a facilitator of a conversation that I want to have with you all. So that's what I, I hope to get going. I hope you'll stay tuned and listen to what your fellow listeners are bringing up. And it doesn't mean the, the ones who are the ones who come are coming from a background of more study and and have been going at this longer compared to some of the beginners. I'm not meaning to say that the more experienced and more versed in this subject are coming up with the only good feedback. Some of you who are just barely getting into this are asking some really good questions. I love questions, no matter what I'm teaching, and I'm really am just a, I really am just a teacher at heart. I love questions from new people to a subject. I love it. I love it. And sometimes they ask questions that I haven't even thought to ask as long as I've been studying a particular subject. So... I'm grateful for your feedback, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Stay tuned. Let's let's listen to what some of you are. So what I've done in preparation for this episode is I have gone to Apple Podcasts. I have gone to my Podbean. That's the, that's the web host that I use for this podcast. And I've also gone to the Scottish Clans Facebook page. Now let's talk about the Scottish Clans Facebook page real quick. So a lot of you hear this episode because I reach out to different other Facebook pages and groups and post a link to the podcast in on that page or in that group. And that's how a lot of you have been exposed to this podcast. So, But then I always try to say that if you want to participate in the conversation, and it's cool, you want to make a comment on the post on that particular page, great. Thank you for doing so. And I, I actually do see... I would say most of those comments just through notifications in Facebook. But if I were to try to 
track down every comment makes maybe on an, any given podcast episode I might I might share it on 10 different Facebook page pages it's just too much for me to reach out and find out what everybody has said so I'm keeping it focused on the Scottish clans Facebook page and that's that's where I'm gonna go that's where I'm gonna try to consolidate the conversation when it comes to Facebook anyway and that's where I've pulled the the comments I'm gonna share with you today that come from Facebook but we'll be using these three sources, Facebook, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. So, to start off with, we're going we're gonna to start this with some of the response. Oh, by the way, one thing I wanted to ask of you guys. Can I get some comment, some feedback on sound quality? So right now, and that, I was actually going back through previous, clear back I found a comment in September from a guy who titles him or a guy or a gal I don't know which entitles the, the name is Minnesota which is kind of kind of clever I think Minnesota 24 was it anyway they said hey like the podcast but sometimes the sound quality is hit and miss so on this particular podcast is what I want you to because I know how I'm doing it on this podcast I know what I'm using I know how I'm using it and so if you don't mind giving me some feedback on how the sound quality is right now. Also, that I know the particular place that I'm doing in, because that affects the sound quality. If you're doing it in this big open space, you'll get more echoey sound. But if you're doing it in a smaller space that has things up on the walls, some, some things in the room, some furniture, something to absorb sound, the sound tends to be a lot better. So if you don't mind... If you're gonna, if you can send a message, you know, comment on what we're talking about as well today. But drop me a little note on how this, how the sound is, if you don't mind. That's my, my only request before I get going here. All right, let's start with Apple Podcasts. We have Hugh McGuire, that entitled his feedback a valuable resource. Hugh says, "I deliver living history presentations about Gallic culture, social structure, and warfare. I have really enjoyed your podcast." I find it an easy way to absorb information about a topic I really enjoy. Keep doing what you do. And let's hear about the Lamonts of Cowell and Butte. All right, Hugh, I have entered the Lamonts into my list of clans to do podcasts on. So just know that, that it's on my list. Appreciate your feedback, Hugh, and keep keep up the good work. I also have a podcast, an Apple podcast Review from Beltana Fiddler, who title entitles the response "Outstanding Podcast!" Exclamation point. So from Beltana Fiddler, we have. Oh, by the way, Belt. It looks like for those of you who don't know how these words sound, I, I'm not a I'm not fluent in Gaelic, but I do know a few things here. So some of you have researched where Halloween comes from, and I'll tell you, it comes from the uh, a Celtic, an old Celtic holiday. In this case. Gallic holiday, Gallic, Gaelic, and called it's called Samhain, but it looks like it's spelled Samhain. Just keep in mind that H, that's not a letter in Gallic. It's an accent mark, and it just affects the sound of the consonant right before it. All right, so it turns that M, sometimes it turns it into a V, sometimes more of a W sound. Anyway, it's, it's Samhain. And then so this is another case of this, the, the name of this responder on Apple Podcasts. It looks like Beltane, but it's pronounced more like, and keep in mind that 
there's not just one way to pronounce any Gaelic word. If you go from Cork in the very south of Ireland, clear up to Sutherland, up into Ray country, up into the, where the Mackays held sway, if you that's quite a geographical jaunt. And along the way, you'll hear pronunciation of different words change. So just keep that in mind. But it's not Beltane like we would think it says in English, but it's Beltane. All right, so Beltane Fiddler says, Outstanding Podcast. That's the title. This podcast is one of the best I have come across. Scotland is a country with a long, confusing, and intense history, often romanticized to the detriment of its people. Clint Edwards does, in my opinion, an outstanding job giving this culture the attention that it deserves. He digs deep, cites great sources, and doesn't get caught up in the snare of pop culture's idea of Scottish history. His research of the more obscure clans, the Anglo-Viking-Gale connection, and the history of the borders in Galloway is terrific, and these subjects often get overlooked. I come from Bells, Kincaids, McGowans, Campbells, McNabs, etc., so it's nice to see my people represented. Subscribe to this podcast now, exclamation point. You won't regret it. Belt and the Fiddler, thank you. That was a very a very positive feedback, and I, I appreciate you were very specific in what you liked about it, and that, that does help me as I move forward, so I appreciate it. All right. Scottish Clans Facebook page. Now we're switching platforms here. I have a comment from Ryan Gallagly. Hello, Mr. Edwards. So my last name, Gallagly, is hard to research. My whole father's and his parents are from Scotland. I know the name is the English form of Galaglass. That is really all I can find. Have you ever come across this name in your studies? By the way, you have done a fantastic job with the podcast. I found it about three weeks ago, and I have powered through all your episodes. It is impressive you maintain a family life, military life, and your normal life with this. Thank you for the podcast. Ryan, thank you for your response. Now, your, va- your last name is a fascinating one, I think. And yes, it does come from, it's actually not just an English version of Galaglass. It's Galagly is is very close to the Gallic pronunciation of that word, more so than a lot of English versions of a Gallic word are or a Gallic name. So for an example, I, I sometimes, you know, like I've, I've mentioned that with the last name MacDonald in the in original Gallic, there's never a D on the end, but at least it's pretty close, right? But there's some that I'm just wondering how you get from one to the other, like one that I think is more different to me, it's more different is the in Gaelic would be Dunacha or Dunachy, and then you have in English you have Duncan. Yeah, the first syllable sounds similar, but after that, we're parting ways pretty pretty drastically. So Galagly seems seems really close to the to the original Gaelic way of pronouncing that. So I think that's really cool. So, but it really in answer to your question. I I don't know I, like a specific so I've never seen it as a as a last name it's always you know I guess we have trade names it's a trade it's a trade people did that for a living they're like well things aren't going so well here maybe I'll jump on the bandwagon go down to Ireland try to make some money and not get killed in in combat so it was a trade and so it trade names don't really have a specific place that they're often tied to now there were you know there's tailors that are associated with the Camerons you know and you have the t- 
Taylor Dew, the, the from the legend that I go back to my Cameron Macintosh feud episode, and so from him you have people calling themselves Taylor, or Taller, or what, whatever the Gallic uh, equivalent of that would be. So yeah, there are some um, occupational last names that are associated with certain places, but really that can be all over the place. So no, I don't really have any feedback for you, Ryan, on your last name and where to get started. I would just try to start getting into records and look back and back and back into so find if you can just find out where in Scotland they came from. Because if you can if you can just use that as establishing a toehold, a foothold there in the country, then you can work from there. So that's that's all I would recommend doing. And there's my thoughts. I just think Gallogly, that's that's really cool that your last name is that, that and is that it's an yeah it is an anglicized but it's really close to the original pronunciation. Thanks Ryan for your feedback. Jessica Boyd says, "Hi Clint, Jessica Boyd here. I just started listening to your podcast. I'm very interested in history in general and specifically Scottish/Irish history. I would like to learn about my ancestry, but I don't really know where to start. I was wondering if you knew anything about the Boyds, my dad's side, or the Cutlers, my mom's side." Any information you know about them, I would love to learn about. And then Jessica leaves her email. And Jessica, I hope you don't mind, instead of the email, just responding to it here on the podcast episode. So I don't know. The Cutler, once again, that's an occupational last name, but also it's, it's more of an English name. You could probably find Cutler in any English-speaking part of the British Isles. So to include all of England... Um, I don't know about Wales, maybe Wales, because there's parts of Wales that have been English-speaking for a while. And then you go up into Scotland and any of the lowland areas, you could probably find it there and probably some places in Ireland, I'd imagine. Specifically, I would say more likely, Northern Ireland. But those are just my thoughts off the top of my head from your mom's side. Your dad's side, however, I happen to know a little bit about the Boyds. Why? Because I also have Boyds in my family tree. You've got to go back a little while. You've got to go back into the those Scots-Irish frontiersmen. Now, Scots-Irish is, a, is an American phrase, if I understand this correctly. You had a bunch of Scots who were part of King James's plantation of Ulster in the, in the 1600s. And the idea originally was, let's scoot off these Catholic Gaelic-Irish and settle it with Protestants who are loyal to the British crown. Well, now, when we say British crown, this is King James would be the first person who can say British crown because he was the first monarch to rule both realms completely. Um, that's that's a you can get more nuanced in the history than that, but to the degree I think we're on the same page that he's the first guy to say that. So the crown out of London, which is where James moved his court as soon as he inherited Elizabeth's crown. So they intended to settle that Ulster with people who are loyal to the crown. Well, it a lot, and I, I was reading one study one time where it said disproportionately it ended up being Scots, specifically Lowland Scots, with the exception of County Antrim. And County Antrim is the exception because the McDonald's had had a foothold there for a long time. They intermarried with the Bissets and gained territory in Northern Ireland, and that goes back, to, I think, to the 1300s. So Antrim's kind of different from the rest of Northern Ireland in this settlement pattern. So you have most of the Scots coming into Northern Ireland, most of them, not all of them. And I have exceptions to this in my own family tree, but most of them are lowland Scots. And 
they so the the Scots Irish is not a mixture of the Scots intermarrying with the Irish. It's these Scots that come in. They tended to intermarry with themselves. My own family tree on this particular part of my tree is bears this out. They tend to marry with each other and not with local Gaelic Catholic Irish. And so when they come over to so a few generations later, the situation the political situation changes and it's they're like oh we got to get out of here so let's go to America. They get over here to the states. And most of that nice, fertile, low-lying country along the eastern seaboard is already settled. Okay, so where can we get land that we can afford? Well, people just point west and say, you can go back in those mountains there, but it's less settled, it's less safe, but there's cheap land back there. But you might be fighting with natives the whole time you're back there. Well, these people were no strangers to fighting, and so they decided, you know what, let's do it. So they pushed back into these mountains. But these people that were already settled in the States called them Irish to start with. And they're like, well, yeah, we came from Ireland, but we're not Irish. We're Scots. And they're like, whatever, Scots, Irish. Okay, so there's the, there's the story. And that's, that's my story. Sorry, Jessica, I got off on a little personal tangent there. But that's, and I think a lot of people wonder about that, the, the term Scots, Irish. Because a lot of you listening, a lot of you listening, I'll bet your ancestor, your Scottish ancestor, and the reason you're listening to this podcast, I'll, in many cases, come through Scots-Irish frontiersmen who pushed back into the Appalachian mountain ranges. A lot of them came and started north in the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania area and then pushed south along the mountain chain. Some of you ended clear, clear up down in northern Georgia and Alabama. Uh, a lot of you ended up in east Kentucky and Tennessee or western Virginia West Virginia, North Car- Western North Carolina, or uh, maybe some of you stayed there in the Pennsylvania part of the mountains. Anyway, that was a settlement trend. So I just thought maybe I would excuse myself in getting on a personal note there because I think it applies to a lot of you. But Jessica, so I found the Boyds back in there. So yes, I have been interested in the Boyd clan and Boyd, Boyd kindred. I can tell you where they come from, and I can tell you where the name the name is thought to be a, a English corruption of the Gallic word for blonde-haired. And there's a Norman family that they are closely associated with. The I can't remember the exact name because I'm doing this part I'm doing off the top of my head. I did not prepare this, but something like the Morvilles or I don't know. There's some kind of Norman family. You can find it on a quick, easy Google search. But they come from Ayrshire, which is in southwest Scotland. It is a place that was 1500s and and farther back Gaelic speaking and so you see more Gaelic place names there and like the Boyds have people have more Gaelic sounding names in many cases not in every one of them you have a lot of Norman names in that area the Bruces come out from that that area you have the uh, the Montgomery's anyway there's there's a couple examples of, of Normans who come out of that area the Boyds if you want to get a little bit more specific are coming from Kilmarnock I think that's how you pronounce it. I could be off. Anyway, that's where you want to start. Look, can how close to do, do your Scottish ancestors come from Southwest Scotland? To my knowledge, there's not like another. You know, I've said in previous episodes, if my name is Duncan, well, Duncan was a pretty popular name throughout Scotland, and that could be anywhere. You could be actually from the clan Dunahee, the Robertsons of Struan. You could be from that group. That was probably the most prominent people who possess that surname, but definitely not the only one. Um, 
Ian. Ian was very popular, or Yoin, in Gaelic-speaking areas. So you, you might find McIan or McYoin or some other version of that name all over. Boyd, to my knowledge, is not one of those examples. Bo- the Boyds were a very specific, ge- geographically to Ayrshire, specifically around that Kilmarnock area. And I, if you go back quite a ways, I think it's the episode that I titled, Is Your Clan Really a Clan? Something along those lines. I go into Stephen Boardman's thesis, and he uses, and or, or if you go back to the, um, the, I think it was the Montgomery-Cunningham feud, you go back to those, I mentioned this, this Stephen Boardman's PhD thesis, I can't remember the exact title of it, but it was... Uh, it, it includes as case study of what he's talking. He's talking about the bonds of manrent and alliances between clans and how they those are structured and what they said about the nature of kindred-based society. And in that, he does mention the Boyds and their relationship. I believe they took the Cunningham side in that fight against the Montgomerys. So you see these kin-based alliances in places that are not... You know, we start, start talking about clans, and a lot of people think about the highlands or they'll think about the borders, but in the case of the Boyds, the Cunninghams, the Montgomerys, some of the other families around that area, they did ally themselves on kin-based lines with different sides. So that's kind of interesting, I think. So Jessica, that's all my thoughts right off the top of my head about the Boyds and the Cutlers. So there you have it. Hope that hope that was helpful. Hopefully, give you some region of Scotland to start looking at. And the reason I once again I know all that is because I we we are probably way distant cousins. All right, now, y'all, I got I got the next one's kind of long, but the reason why I want you to keep listening to this is because this is a pretty intelligent response. This is a person who has done some homework on this subject. And they've got not just questions asked, but thoughts to share. And and it's for those thoughts that I want to share this with you. And like I said, I haven't dived into every aspect of Scottish clan culture equally. And every region and every part of Scottish history. And so this person that I'm going to talk about next, they go into one of those topics. that, like, And I'm going to say it's a pretty big deal. And you're like, how could you not? Well, I know some stuff about it, but I haven't like just... When you start talking about on a graduate level study and you're just going to dive in deep into something you can get really specific and I haven't done it to that degree and that's the Jacobite rebellions I know generally the overview story of them but Sam Reed knows a little bit more about it let let me me read you his response here it's kind of long but stick with it because it's good Sam says hey Clint I love the podcast. Keep it coming. As with all the other fans, I enjoy your critique of sources. I think you do an excellent job describing the difference between scholarly works and popular history. I have not yet listened to the intro podcast, shame in parentheses. Do you explain where you did your master's and how you chose your research topic? I got my bachelor's and master's in modern British history from Pitt and then Alabama. My first research love was the Jacobite rebellions, but on a study abroad trip into Scotland, I changed time periods and fell for the Boer War, which became my area for academic minutiae. I now teach high school world history. Okay, now that's not the end of it. That's, unquote, that's that's where I'm just going to pause for a second. I'm going to answer the questions. Sam, I did my bachelor's at Utah State University, and I did my master's degree through, it was online, I did it through American Military University. 
And I really felt like in that master's degree is where my scholarship jumped jumped forward. And and I in Utah State University, I felt like had a very strong history department. Um, just I think it's just the difference between a bachelor's and a master's and what they demand out of you. And I, I went into my master's thinking it's it's just like a follow-on of the bachelor's, but kind of the same stuff. And I was wrong about that. The the level of research and and the the skill level on your writing that they demand of you, I think, is quite a bit higher for a master's degree. At least that was my experience. So that's where I did it. How do I choose my research topic? Okay, I chose to do my master's in in ancient and classical history. That, that was one of the, you know, because when you choose your master's, you can choose what you're going to get it in. It's, they have these umbrellas that it needs to fall under. And I could have chosen military history. Cho- I could have chosen military history. I could have chosen several other things. I chose ancient and classical because I wanted it to overlap with my scriptural teaching that I was doing for my living at the time, and which I may again do in the in the future. And so I was thinking, well, I could d- dig into the world of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and these these cool, you know, Moses, and wh- I wanted to dig into the historical context that they're coming out of. But I, th- I think I, I saw, as I'd, I as I'd got into it a little ways, and I'm trying to pick my thesis out, I'm thinking, if I do this on what I'm interested in, I'm going to have to do a lot of explaining about doctrinally, because I probably get into some doctrine stuff, and I have to explain doctrinally where we're coming from, because I know me and people who do not share my faith, we're coming from two completely different worlds as far as doctrine is concerned, and... I just didn't want to have to reset and have to establish all that and then move forward with the scholarly work. So that's why I didn't do that. I Instead, I, I thought, well, I've always been interested in the clan since I was a young teenager. I've been doing, I learned about my McFarland and McCormick ancestors. And, I, and so maybe, maybe let's dive into that. And I'm so glad I did. And I still study the scriptures, and I still am really interested in the world of Abraham and the different things that are going on in the world at that time, the, the Hittites and the, the Amorites and the Egyptians and the interplay between all these different people, the Chaldeans and all this. I, 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 think that, I still think that's fascinating, so I still get into that, but that's how I, I kind of – so I defaulted back to something else that I was interested in and have been for a long time. Okay, so – Sam goes on to share some thoughts and questions. Number one, in Ireland, they refer to the language as Irish or Gaelga, which is pronounced like, and then he spells it out, Gaelga. The Irish tend to say that the Scots are the ones who use the Gaelic pronunciation of Gaelic. Pitt didn't offer Gaelic when I was there, so I took Gaelga instead. And so where I get the pronunciation on that, I usually say Gaelic, and that comes from listening to Scots pronounce it. And so if you get on YouTube, this is pretty easy to get on YouTube and hear the, the Scots, and even Gaelic-speaking Scots pronounce it, and it sounds a lot more like Gaelic than Gaelic. So, yeah, so I don't know. where I know that, yes, the pronunciation of Gaelic in Irish, when you're speaking the language, doesn't sound like Gaelic. It sounds like... Just, just as Sam lays it out here, Gaelica. And it's it's cool. I think that sounds cool. Number two, on the East Coast here, folks pronounced Loudon so that it w- would rhyme with Cowden rather than Luden. I have no idea of how it's pronounced in Scotland. Well, when I was trying to do the Campbell episode, clan cluster thing, 
I really searched high and low on YouTube and finally found a video with somebody pronouncing it. It was a Scott who was pronouncing it. So I'm guessing that we're we're on target here with the pronunciation. And it was, sure enough, Luden. And yes, like there's a Loudon. Is it is it is it a town in Virginia or a county? It's Loudon. Anyway, that's in Virginia. Number three. As you move through listener requests about the origins of clans, are you planning on leaping forward into all the modern at all into the modern era? You've touched on some Jacobite questions before, and I think your listeners would enjoy some review of the sources. Jacqueline, oh, so here's so listeners, I'm gonna pause in the quote right here. He's gonna he's gonna give you some suggestions, and this is partly why I'm going through a, a listener feedback that's this long is because he has things in here that you might be interested in. So if you're interested on the Jacobite rebellions, then, and I need to do, I need to do an episode on the Jacobite rebellions and how it related specifically to clans rather than the broad political overview and look at which clans sided with which side. It, it is sometimes carelessly, I think, excuse me, taught in a way that presents it as, look, the Highlanders sided with Bonnie Prince Charlie in the 1745 Rising. By the way, there's several Jacobite Risings. And the English and Lowlanders sided with the Hanoverians, and that's, that's how it was drawn. And that is completely false. There are several Highland clans that fought on the Hanoverian side. And, and some Lowland kindreds that chose the Jacobite side. Now, I haven't studied which lowland clans chose the Jacobite side as much, but I can, anyways, this is a, this is a subject that deserves an episode, I guess is what I'm saying. So let me continue with Sam's quote here. He's going to give you some sources. Quote, Jacqueline Riding's new book, Jacobites, is very readable and a refreshing take on the 45. Pause, quote real quick. He, when he says the 45, he's talking about the 1745 rebellion. Okay, quote, she is an art and architectural historian, and so she chunks the narrative of the war based on the physical locations of the armies. Daniel Shezzy, sorry, I mispronounced that. Daniel Seshi, S-Z-E-C-H-I, Seshi, of course, has written some great stuff on the Jacobites. I particularly like George Lockhart of Carnwath, 1689-1727, a study in Jacobitism, which explains Jacobite political culture from the perspective of a lowland Protestant Jacobite. The book may also help you in your question about lowland clans and how conceptions of clan, kin, and loyalty changed over time. So that, unquote, that was very helpful. And, and I do intend to dive into some of this stuff, Sam, so really liking your, your feedback here. Okay, number four. You have touched on the Scots-Irish in some of your episodes, and I would like to hear more about the Scottish diaspora. Was the model of Scottish clanship ever transported over to the Ulster plantations? I am currently working my way through the weeds of the history of Highland settlement in Canada as I do some family history research. J.M. Bumstead is the best I have read on this topic. His article, Highland Immigration to the Maritimes, 1770-1815, A New Look at an Old Theme, is available in PDF online and is quite good. In Prince Edward Island, John MacDonald of Glenalladale tried to move his people from the Clan Ronald territories and re- recreate clan life in Canada. However, when they got there, many of his tenants slash kin decided they did not want slash need to live under the protection of a chiefly figure and instead got their own crown land grants and hacked their way into the pines. 
After they do this, however, they retain their Gallic language and culture, and in some ways begin to reconstruct some parts of clan society. What I'm seeing is that many of the Highland families create their own uniquely Canadian clans. There are families like the Ridge MacDonalds, descendants of the Kepics, who settle on Mabu Ridge. They trace their ancestry back to Kepic chiefs, but they begin to identify more with their own unique combination of pioneer and Scottish heritage. Within Highland settler communities in Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, and Cape Breton, Particular families take up the roles of piper and bard and military leader, but they perform these roles for their entire community and not just people they share surnames or DNA with. The families cherish shared kinships and history, but without any fealty to a specific chief. In my own family, I also see some examples of fosterage, not only for other Scots, but also of children from Acadian and German families. Though, of course, this is probably how things have been going in Scotland for quite some time as well. In your episodes, you do an excellent job breaking down the old myths of clans having clearly defined territories with only McDonald's living here and only Grants living there, etc. Okay, so that was number four. That was quite a lot. That was a big chunk. I don't think I'm going to break it down very much, but I do think it's, he's onto something here. Fascinating. And I, I think the value there is just with me reading it to a broader audience. Number five, do you have any interest in piping? Pause the pause quote right here. Yes, Sam, I do have interest in piping. However, I play the guitar, and if I was going to pick up another instrument, it would probably be one of two, and I have one of each. It would be either a resonator guitar, which a very good friend of mine that also teaches seminary for the Church of Jesus Christ in southeast Idaho, he just he hooked me up with it as a gift. He found it, I think, at a pawn shop and just totally hooked me up with this. Hey, I think I thought I saw this, I thought you'd like it. It was one of the coolest things ever. And so I've got this resonator guitar that just sounds awesome. And I've messed around on it a little bit, but I'm not good at it yet. And the other thing I have is a fiddle. And I sure love a fiddle. So I love bagpipes. I love fiddles. A fiddle is accessible to me. And so that's probably going to take precedence over the pipes. So back into Sam's quote here. I play the pipes, but I am not an accomplished musician. And my interest in playing has always been rooted more in a passion for history rather than music. John G. Gibson has written some really awesome stuff on Gallic bagpiping. And it transformed as settlers moved from Scotland to Canada. His book, Traditional Gallic Bagpiping, 1745-1945, also provides some helpful details about the clans and Highland culture in general. He describes how Perthshire was definitely Gallic in language and culture until at least the early 19th century. I know that question of Perthshire came up at one point for some listeners. Yes! Yes, it did! Sam, thank you! Yes, and actually that goes right in with some of the Michael Newton stuff that I've been digging into and sharing, and he, he talks about the this margin where the Gallic world bumps up against the Scots or English-speaking world, this line, and he's I've shared some of his stuff with you, and that's probably what you're referring back to, and I, th- I think that's fascinating. Up until re- quite recently, early 19th century, so the early 1800s, and, and by that time, a lot of your, you, the listeners, you, a lot of your Scottish ancestors had migrated. And I'm, I'm saying this because I'm looking at my Podbean stats and I'm seeing like the vast majority of my listeners are in the United States. A lot of them are in Canada too. I do have some in, the, in uh, Great Britain and Ireland, but that's not where the bulk of them come from. 
um, I have had them made some cool contributions to these episodes, and so I'm very grateful. I guess, and then some of you are coming from Australia, and there's actually some Germans and some other places out there where people are listening to this. The vast majority of the listeners right now are here in the United States. So um, I think that's, and a lot of your ancestors who are, a lot of you who I'm talking to that live in the United States are listening to this. Your, a lot of your ancestors who came to America, not all of yours, but a, a, I'd guess a healthy chunk of them came about the same time or prior to when this part of Perthshire was still a Gallic language and culture area. So that's that's kind of interesting. It is it's interesting to me anyway. I'm gonna go on to number six. Do you have any suggestions for starting a podcast? Any expensive mic someone can start with? Oh, any inexpensive mic someone can start with. I am interested in starting a family history podcast. I want to encourage folks to approach their family history as an academic historian would. Okay, so let me break that one down. Several questions there. Um, I do have suggestions for starting a podcast, and maybe we can develop a longer conversation about this offline. Inexpensive mics. Right now, plugged into my laptop computer is a $10, one of those clip-on mics that you can clip onto your shirt that you can, and anyway, it's nothing. That's why I was curious at the beginning. I want you guys to comment on the sound quality here. And I'm holding it a certain way. I'm in a certain room, the conditions, all that. And so I want you to respond to this. So, Sam, that's what I'm using right now. Pretty cheap setup. The software that I'm recording this on is free. It's Audacity. And you can you can listen to Pat Flynn talk about Audacity and other platforms. There's a lot of really cool stuff out there. I did a lot of studying before I actually started this podcast. And I still need to just go ahead and divest, invest some money in a nice mic, and also one of those little boxes that you can get more than one sound stream coming in. That way you can have guests on, which I've got a stack of people I want to invite to be on the show. Anyway, so yeah, so, the, I, so the, one of those nicer mics, I don't know how much those are. Those boxes that allow you to bring in different sound streams, those are a little over $200 if you're looking on Amazon. And the fact that you're starting a family history uh, podcast. So let me talk about that for a second because that touches on something. A lot of people make um, requests, like you've already heard some in this episode so far. People are saying, hey, I'm descended from people in this area. Can you reach out and help me at all? Uncover my you – can you give me anything that can help me go farther back? Well, all I can do is kind of teach you about the kindreds and the history in Scotland. <coughs> To be honest with you, and I've, I'm actually currently trying to push a couple of different lines of my family, my family farther back, and I'm not good at it yet. There are family history, no kidding, experts that can do that. Now, I know I've had, I think it was John Anderson in California reached out, and I said, hey, he said, what, yeah, Latter-day Saints do this stuff a lot. Where can I link up with that? And I gave him the nearest family history center to him. And you do not, I want to be clear about this, you do not need to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to avail yourselves of our resources on this. And you're, and if you, and nor, nor is there any obligation afterwards. You're like, okay, I don't want anything to do with your church. I just want to do some family history. I just want you to know that's completely fine, fine, fine. Find a local, wherever the local 
You, this could probably be found on a Google site. I know I, you can find it on churchofjesuschrist.org. If you want to go there and try to find a, I'm sure of it, and maybe I'll post a link to it on my page. But I'm just not that good at this, and I'm trying to link you guys up with people who are better at it. And so Sam, the fact that he's setting up a podcast on actual genealogy, like actually getting the names and pushing your lines farther back, which is related to but not the topic of this podcast— I think that'd be a, if he's able to get this up and going, it'd be complimentary to what I'm doing here. So I think that's really cool. All right. And number seven from Sam Reed. Final thing. I enjoy it when you add personal stories to episodes. It is refreshing, refreshing to hear you talk about your work and your family and all that good stuff. So keep it up. Based on what you said, I think you and I might find ourselves on distant ends of some social and political spectrums. But I think that is cool, and it certainly makes me think while I am listening on my way to okay, it certainly makes me think while I'm on my way to and from work while I am listening on my way to and from work. We probably have more in common anyway, even if we don't vote or worship the same way. My little brother is currently in gold phase at Fort Leonardwood, so I also like to hear about what you've been doing in the army. I told my brother about your podcast, and once he has time and permission, he plans on listening. All right, hey. He says, sorry for the long message, cousin, cousin Agamain. Have a great day. Agamain is myself, cousin, my, my cousin, cousin of mine, maybe something like that. Uh, Sam. Okay, look, I have a lot more comments to cover, so we're going to need to break this down and, and start chipping away at it in future episodes. I don't know if I'm going to do the next episode completely on listener feedback or if I'm just going to take chunks out of this as I go, if if you've made com, uh, some feedback, so first of all, if you ever leave feedback and you don't want it brought up, please let me know that, and uh, and I won't bring it up. So I'm just assuming that when you po- comment and respond to this podcast and whatever platform it is, that it's okay if I push forward. Going back on that, hey Sam, um, hey, one one thing I feel very passionately about is freedom. And so your freedom to worship however you want and to vote how you want. And I, and I just am so, so past people being hateful and assuming demonic qualities of people who are on other ends of the spectrum. I cannot stand... Um, I just got like a lot of the rhetoric today in politics. It it turns me right off, and and I there are some people out there that I follow, I lean toward more than others, but this this whole climate that we're developing right now, I do not think it's healthy, and so I appreciate Sam's tone there in the last the last comment, and uh, that's uh, to be honest with you guys, if 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 I was to explain my political approach. I would say that I'm just a big fan of freedom. And when I hear about ideas, you know, hey, let's let's do this or hey, let's do that and let's vote on it. My criteria to start with is does this preserve or enhance my freedoms or does it diminish my freedoms? I am not willing to help other people and make a slave out of myself. And the word slave is, is a hyperbole a little bit there. But if if I don't have freedom, most of the other aspects of society, and I'm just telling you my, hey, look, I'm just 
I'm not taking a stance here, which side of the aisle or anything like that. I'm just saying if I don't have freedom, very little else matters. I, I don't believe that if I'm compelled to help somebody that I am blessed for it. I didn't have a choice. I'm blessed for things that I had uh, exercise agency with. I chose to help somebody out. I chose to use my money and help somebody else who's less fortunate. And I'm all over that stuff. I'm not about being forced to do stuff. And that could probably sum up my whole political approach. Now, we could talk more about it, and that's not why you tuned in. But Sam brought it up, and it seems like Sam's cool with people being different, and I'm cool with people being different. And so, Sam, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your involvement. I appreciate the time you took to give that comment to us today. That That was quite a bit of our episode today, and I appreciate it every sentence. So, listeners... Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot more to get to here. I've got people that have posted links to stuff they thought would be helpful. Keep keep an eye on that Scottish Clans Facebook page. I'm going to be dropping some some links in there that hopefully are helpful to you. Just off the top of my head, there's just as I scroll down and look at some of this stuff, you have Scott Hamilton that shared a bunch of cool stuff there. So I'm going to be sharing some of his stuff. He's not the only one. Go in there, check it out. I hope this is useful for you. I hope this... Uh, I hope this is you feel value coming from these types of episodes. I, I know that a lot of you like the cool stories, and I know, and I know a lot of you like the jumping into like, you know, what was it really like, and let's really dig into this and find out what was going on, and let's highlight some of the some of these different regions of Scotland. And I hope that that listener feedback is just a different angle to come at that stuff from. So hopefully, it's been good for you. One thing I do want to mention, speaking of the Scottish Clients Facebook page, is that I I want to change it from a page to a group, but I can't because I looked it up and you can't. You can't just change it from one to the other. So I might I might gradually move it from one to the other. And here's why I want to do this: the, in a group, you guys can just post on the group. On the Facebook page, you guys have to send have to message message me, and it doesn't. I just I think it it's not as conducive to a conversation that I want to have with you guys. I want this to be more of a conversation. So I'm gonna I I don't I don't have that ready this this right right the second, but that's one thing that you can expect coming up in the future. So I gave you all the platforms that you can contact me with uh, that you can reach out and and start the dialogue. Remember, if you don't want me to share it with anybody, mention it and say so. Like Jessica earlier, I didn't mention her exact email. On this, I try to use a little discretion here. Um, hey, thank you for for tuning in. And uh, I don't like I said, I'm still up in the air about how I'm going to approach this next episode. But if I didn't get to your comment, don't despair because I'm not just dropping the rest of them. I hope you guys have a wonderful second week of December. Winter has come early to the northern Utah, southeast Idaho area. We've got at least a foot on the ground. Thanksgiving, we got like 18 inches in a day, like overnight. I mean, it pounded us. Of snow, by the way, of snow. And anyway, it is it is sure enough winter here. Stay safe. Be safe on the roads. Take care of yourselves. And we'll visit with you in the next episode. <laughs>